Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. getting to the word of the Lord tonight and thank God for his blessings. I want to say welcome to all of our guests that are here. Thank you for being here on Tuesday night. This is what we call kingdom life and kingdom life is a Bible study time. Get into the word of the Lord and we are currently in a series on hope in the hurt, hope, finding hope in the hurt. Um, tonight is our second installment in this series, lesson number two. And uh, tonight's lesson is suffering and sovereignty. Suffering and sovereignty. Amen. Let's go to the, our, our, three, our theme verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, 17 through 20. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable or unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, a strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast which entereth into within the veil. And we'll stop there. Amen. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Ask God to help us as we get into the word in the name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you, God, for this particular time, Lord, to study your word. There's a time, dear God, if there ever was a time that we need hope, it is in this hour. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us as we study this, God, that we would find the refuge, that we would run to you, Lord, and lay a hold of refuge in our life. We're going to give you the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Suffering and sovereignty. At the outset, these two words seems like a strong contradiction, and in many ways they are, suffering and sovereignty. Let's look at, first of all, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. Everybody say God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Sovereign is not a word that we use quite frequently in the, in the, in the English language. There's a good reason for that because... It's a word that is connected to uh, kings and potentates and uh, those that have uh, ultimate authority. But God is sovereign because that's who he is. That's how he operates. When you begin to look at the word sovereign, sovereign is a compound word made up of two different words uh, that when put together, you draw the meaning of it. If you're, if you're taking notes and you want to write, go over and uh, put put this down, put the word S-O-V, sov, and then put the word reign, two words, sov, reign, meaning sov being supreme, supreme, and reign meaning, are you ready? Reign. 
supreme reign, our sovereign reign, complete authority, supreme reign. It's where we get the understanding of sovereign. When we say God is sovereign, we're saying that God is free and able to do what he wants to, what he wills, that he reigns over all creation, that he reigns over the universe, and he has the final say in everything. His word is sovereign, which means it is final authority. There, there's nobody that it has to answer to. God doesn't answer to anybody. Every one of us answers to somebody. Every one of us is in need of somebody. But God needs nobody. He contains who he is within himself. He's not dependent on anybody else. You take oxygen away from us and we're dead. Amen. I don't care how great that ball player is can reach up and snag that football out of the sky. You take oxygen away from him, he's dead. That's why, because we're dependent on certain things. We are all dependent on things. God is dependent upon nothing. There is nothing that God depends upon to exist. Thus, he is sovereign, sovereign. Let me give you some scripture that talks about God is free to do his, his will. Psalm 35, I'm going to run through these pretty, pretty quickly. Psalm 35 and 6, whatsoever the Lord pleaseth, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. Whatever he pleases, that's what he does. The psalmist said in another place, but our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Psalm 115 and 3. If you jump to Isaiah 46 and 10, you will find declaring the Lord speaks of him, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I'll do what I want to do. That's what God is saying. That's because he's sovereign. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand, and none say unto him, what are you doing? What are you doing? Romans chapter 9 also talks about this, this sovereignty of God and our, our looking at that. It says in verse 19, that will say unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Who are you to, you know, it's kind of like years ago, there was a, a, a story where it, Shirley MacLaine, the, the actress and uh, humanist, uh, is reported to have walked out onto the, the, the shores of the Pacific Ocean on the sand there and said these words, I am God. I am God, okay? Can you imagine, and I've, I've used this illustration before, but, but can you imagine God in heaven looking down <clears throat> at Miss McLean and she is declaring there, I am God, and she's looking at the waves of the sea I'm going to say, okay, if you're God, why don't you control that? But who hath said to God, you know, I'll tell you what to do, Lord. I'll tell you what to do. If you look at, at the sovereignty of God, it means that nothing is impossible to him. For in Luke, it tells us in, in 1 and 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Job records 42 and, and 2, I know that thou canst do everything. 
Lord, you can do everything, and no thought can be withholden from thee. In the, in, in the New Testament, Paul talks to the church at Ephesus, and he says in chapter 3 and verse 20, Now unto him that is able do, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God, say this with me, God has no limits. God has no limits. And in just a minute, I'll show you where that's wrong. All right, that's called a tease right there, okay? Sovereign, none can successfully oppose him. They can try and have. Satan has tried for years, for eons, to oppose him successfully to no end. Amen. Isaiah 43 and 13 says, Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? I will work, and who shall let it? And I, I realize that makes for good preaching. You know, come on and let the Lord work. Would you let the Lord move? But that's not what that word actually means, that phrase means. It means when I act, when God acts, who can stop it? I will work and who can stop it or reverse it. I wonder today what the Lord thought when there are those like Nietzsche that said, God is dead. God is dead. God is dead. Mm. God is dead. He's sovereign because none can oppose him. He's sovereign because he is king sitting upon the throne. The psalmist said, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6, it says that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent reigneth. He is sovereign. The psalmist said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Your throne is forever. You are king forever. So that makes him sovereign. The Bible tells us that he's not just sovereign over a particular location, but he's sovereign over all. Revelation 4 and 7. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, and thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You created everything, God, everything from that galaxy to that galaxy to that end of the universe to the other end of the universe. You created all things for your pleasure. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all. You reign over all. Amen. I'm going to tell you how his sovereign reign works. According to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a following? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore ye are more valuable than many sparrows. What is he saying? He said, God sees the sparrow that falls. Not one sparrow falls that he don't know about. Brother Gene, not one hair <laughs> has come out of our head but what he doesn't know about. I just don't know if the Lord's looking at me. I just don't know, Lord, know if the Lord can see me in my, my situation. If one sparrow falls, he knows about it. He is sovereign. 
He is supreme reign. He is sovereign. Amen. You might want to look at some time at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and, and 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6, 13 through 16. Those are in your notes, but it's where uh, 1 Timothy 6 is where Paul talks about our God being the only potentate. If there is a word that is sovereign is not in the King James van, uh, uh, translation, but that word potentate is an equal to the word sovereign. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. So if he is sovereign, why suffering? Why suffering? If God is almighty and all powerful and sovereign and he's got control of everything, then why do we humans who is supposed to be his creation suffer? Can I just sidebar just for a minute? Is that I know sometimes we question, Lord, why, you know, this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen. My question is this, is that if God was fair to us, if God was fair to us, what would we get? But a lot of times we tend to shy away connecting sin and suffering. We don't want to talk about suffering and sin. Well, that person is going through suffering, and it's because it's sin. And, 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 and let's look at, let's go back to the beginning. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered into their world and into ours, and immediately suffering happened. The ground was cursed because of sin. The earth was cursed because of sin. Sorrow would be connected to getting food. Getting food from the ground, the Lord told Adam, he said, you're going to get your, good, your, your food with sorrow. You're going to work the ground with sorrow. You're going to deal with thorns and thistles. You weren't supposed to. The earth wasn't supposed to be like that, but now it is going to be like that. And even in childbearing, there's going to be pain. It's going to be painful. This pain, this heartache, this suffering was in the seed of sin. When sin happened with Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, suffering was the consequence of sin. <clears throat> Let's look at Romans chapter 8. And, and to me, I think, for me, this explains a lot of sometimes suffering in the world that we cannot explain. All right? Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Paul says, The earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Mark that word, vanity, vanity. The creature was made subject to vanity. That doesn't mean that, that everybody's looking in the mirror because that's the way they were made, okay? Really, that word vanity means frustration, futility, or something that's devoid of truth. The creation was made subject to frustration, futility, devoid of truth, and something that is devoid of truth is sin. Not willingly, he goes on to say, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So here is what the creation is doing is that the creation was made subject. How was the creation made subject to vanity? 
When you look at that word vanity, we again look at its futility. And futility means falling short of the prescribed goal or purpose. Creation is now cursed. The earth is cursed because of sin. And so that put the world, we a lot of times just want to look at us. But the earth was put in a place where it could not produce what it was originally designed to produce. So then the creation is operating under the guise of futility or vanity in the King James. And so that causes the next part, Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Why is the whole creation groaning and travailing? Why do the inhabitants of the earth groan and travail and cry out in pain? The word travail here refers suffering, labor pains together. Creation groans with every earthquake. Creation groans with every tornado of flood and famine. Earth was not designed to operate like that. Sin short-circuited the earth's original design. The curse came in because of sin, and so earth then now is futile, that it is falling short of its prescribed purpose. <clears throat> Paul not only says that the world is suffering, he says, but humanity suffers. And not only is humanity suffering, but even those who are of the first fruits of the Spirit are suffering. For he says, even ourselves within ourselves wait for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. Think about this. Your body was not created for death. Your body was, you were not made to die. Adam was not created to die. But the Lord said when you sin, there is a consequence of sin because he's spoken in his word. Death is in the wings. Death didn't come into play until sin came into play. And so our bodies were not designed for grief. Our body was not designed for sorrow. In the original formation of man's purpose, we were not designed for disease. But when sin came in, sin brought futility. What is futility? The lack of meeting purpose. What does the Bible say? All have sinned and come Short of the glory of God. When you begin to deal with things in your life, now the, this scripture to me explains the suffering of the world, the suffering that is happening in our world and the consequence of, of things like tornadoes and, 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 and earthquakes. And This world is groaning and travailing and, and then our bodies are groaning. Anybody here got some aches and pains in your body? Can I see a hand? Yeah. A little burn, a little Arthur and... <clears throat> Hallelujah. 
What is it though that we are groaning for? Because in the middle of the groaning, there's hope. <laughs> now, y'all can keep your seat. Nobody run the aisles right yet. But it says, we groan within waiting for the redemption of our body. One of these days, we're not going to be in a body that has to deal with disease anymore. One of these days, we're going to be in a body that's not going to have to deal with sorrow anymore. Amen. One of these days, there'll be no more crying, no more tears, because that's what the Bible says. One of these days, we don't know what we will be, but we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Amen. The hope for a suffering world is redemption. I said the hope for a suffering world is redemption. For the creature was made subject to vanity, frustration, futility, devoid of truth. Amen. But I want to tell you that the the hope is redemption. Redemption is the only hope for the world. So the reason for suffering is sin that deals with the whole world that deals with us groaning together when you have those that are groaning with you in this natural sense. All right, let's look at another reason for suffering. Sometimes there is suffering because of personal sin. Suffering because of personal sin. Some people are suffering today and they blame everybody but their own self. It's Aunt Sally, Cousin Ed, Grandpa Bill, it's everybody but themselves. Let me just give you a few little little uh, examples in Scripture about this. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more that is met that, that, than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. What is he saying? If you're stingy, you're going to suffer consequence for that. Need more? The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. What the Bible is teaching is that there is consequences in your actions. There are consequences in the actions, and sometimes we're suffering because we've had behaviors or we've, we've had actions that we have done, and now we're suffering because of those sins. Proverbs chapter 13 also tells us in verse 20 that bad friends can lead to grief. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Oh, I can hang out with that group and it's not going to hurt me. I'm going to be with those friends. It's not going to hurt me. I'm going to do this and that. It's not going to hurt me. Amen. There are certain behaviors that will ultimately lead to suffering if we stay on that path. Not all suffering is sin, but sometimes people suffer as a result of their sin. Numbers tells us that if if if, if we're not careful, our sins will find us out. Just recently heard a story about a a particular person 
that got caught cheating on his wife by calling his girlfriend's phone and somebody else answered it. Be sure your sin will find you out. I want to tell you, a lot of people think they get away with it, but God knows it, and God has a way of revealing it. He has a way of exposing it. Hallelujah. We find that David experienced immeasurable suffering as the consequence of his sin. Even though he repented, he still had suffering in his life. So sometimes suffering is because we've sinned. Then sometimes we suffer for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. You're suffering because of righteousness' sake, not self-righteousness, <laughs> but we suffer because of righteousness' sake, then we ought to be able to say, Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to some more uh, uh, in, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, wrongfully, for what glory is it if then ye be buffeted for your faults? These words come like a hammer. Ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereto were ye called, because Christ also suffered. Let us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither no guile was found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who is his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. He is telling us there that when we suffer for the sake of Christ, you ought to rejoice. Take it as coming from the Lord, not retaliating, not rendering back, but for the sake of righteousness. <clears throat> Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers that may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ, amen, not because you wore something they didn't like or not because you, you, you're, you're, you're not driving the same kind of vehicle they want to, but because you did something you did good, you did right, and yet you suffer for it because somebody retaliates in that kind. There have been people that have gone by way of the grave and died for the cause of Christ who did no harm. Did no harm. Let's consider for a moment Joseph. Joseph, according to the Bible, said that there is no, no record of him ever doing anything wrong. Joseph did nothing wrong, yet he suffered. Joseph did nothing wrong, yet he suffered. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery and they got nothing for it. 
not even a slap on the wrist. It looked like that, that there was no justice in that. Where's the justice in that? God, it surely, if you are sovereign, then you can look at those boys that sold him into slavery and lied to their dad about him being dead. That surely, God, you can look at them. Why don't you just go zap, 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 poof. Joseph did nothing wrong and suffered. Not only we suffered, he was accused of rape and put into jail. Falsely accused of rape and put into jail. My goodness. You know the writer of Ecclesiastes, and I remember uh, Bishop years ago doing a series, starting a series here in this church on Ecclesiastes. Anybody remember him doing that? Starting on Ecclesiastes and he didn't finish it because it got so sad. He told me, he said, we weren't here at the time we were evangelizing, but he said it got just so depressing, he quit. I don't know, Bishop ever quitting on anything. But look what Ecclesiastes says in chapter 2 and verse 14. You read this, then you realize why he might have quit. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. The wise man knows what he's doing. He's wise. He's righteous. He's looking ahead. He's got focus. He's, he's planning his life out. And the, and the fool's gotten his head. You can't see. And he said, I myself perceive also that one event happeth to them all. This is a righteous man. This is a good man. This is a man who's got eyes in his head. And yet the same thing happens to him, happens to this dude over here that can't see. Joseph went through some things that doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. But I want to tell you, and sometime I want to get into this more, more deeply, but when he looked at his brothers after he was now second in command of Pharaoh and he now was, was looking at his brothers as they're bowing down to him and he could have taken that suffering that he went through all those years because of his brothers and he could have flipped his finger and all of them would have died. But he looked at them and he said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Hallelujah. Can I just tell you, sometimes when you realize you're suffering for the sake of righteousness, just hold on. God is going to be with you. God is going to help you. Amen. In that moment of suffering for righteousness sake. Let's, let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. But rejoice. Somebody say, Ouch. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory should be revealed, ye might be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Amen. Beloved, don't think it strains. Somebody say, believers suffer. Don't be surprised. Believers have fiery trials. Believers have intense situations. Believers go through things. Things that wasn't 
because of them or, or things that they didn't never thought that would happen. They didn't do anything. Uh, Job did not do one thing to deserve what he got. But he suffered. But he suffered. Hallelujah. But our response is, but rejoice. But rejoice. Matter of fact, James said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diver's temptation. Count it all joy. So there is suffering that is because of, uh, of righteousness. Then there is suffering because of a test. Amen. There is suffering that looks like injustice. There is suffering that looks like mystery. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. Why are you going through that? It looks unjust. It doesn't look right. Amen. Joseph, that doesn't look right. But wait till the end. Because the end, revelation is glory. Glory, 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 glory. That's the purpose in the suffering. Look at point number three is the glory. He said, but rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering when his glory shall be revealed. I want to tell you, you can look the scripture from Genesis to Revelation and you will find multiple times where God shows his glory without suffering. But you will never find one time where there is suffering for the sake of righteousness, where there is no glory that follows. Here's where I think sometime we miss it, is that we, like Joseph, suffer unjustly. We, like Joseph, go through things that are harsh and it's no fault of our own, but we give up just short of the glory. If Joseph had decided in prison, I quit, I give up, I'm not going to go any further, then he would have missed his opportunity to see the glory. So if you're suffering, dear one, you're going through a trial or you're going through a test, why don't you just hold on? Glory is around the corner. The bottom line is that your destiny is glory. From glory to glory, he's changing us. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. We rejoice because the glory is coming. Amen. We rejoice. That's what the rejoicing is about. The rejoicing is not that you're, you know, I praise God I got this happen to me. I praise God that, no, no, I rejoice that somehow God's going to get some glory out of this. Somehow what I'm going through, God is going to get some glory out of this. You know, a lot of times we Americans say stuff that we probably shouldn't say. People have said, well, karma happened to them. It's just karma. It's just karma. I want to tell you, karma is not true. Karma is not true. Because karma says people get what they deserve and they deserve what they get. Karma is anti-grace, anti-mercy. It is, I mean, people suffer because they get what they deserve. That's what karma says. Amen. Some suffering is mysterious and seemingly unjust, but God has a plan. Romans 8 and 17 says, if, ch if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be when we suffer with him, that we may also, uh, that we, we may be also glorified together. The ultimate glory 
is to come through your suffering and learn some things and let it produce some things. Can I tell you, if you're going to go through a deep time, if you're going to go through a deep test, if you're going to go through deep grief, then by all means, come out on the other side with something for it. You're, if you're going to hurt anyway, then you might as well hurt and get something out of it. Hallelujah. What are you going to get? What is suffering? Suffering produces a reliance upon God. Suffering says, oh God, I can't do this without you. I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't know when glory is going to show up, but I rely upon you. Suffering can produce godly character in you. Suffering can produce integrity. Suffering can produce prayer. Amen. A prayer life. Suffering can produce repentance. If there's sin in our life we repent suffering produces an opportunity for ministry it reveals God's glory in us it reveals God's glory in us amen I've given you quite a bit of scripture there go home and read it 2nd Corinthians 1 Isaiah 49 amen I love what Paul said in 2nd Corinthians 4 and 17 he said our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory. Somebody say glory. Glory. The reason for suffering is glory. I believe no matter what the original cause for suffering, the ultimate aim is to God get some glory out of it. If it's sin, then it's redemption. He gets glory out of forgiveness he gets glory out of our repentance. If it's because of no fault of our own or for the sake of, of righteousness, amen, he's going to get glory out of that. If it's a test, he's going to get glory out of that. Just go ask Abraham on Mount Moriah. He's going to get glory out of it if we'll just hold on. That's the ultimate thing. So how do we deal with this whole idea then? If God is sovereign and they're suffering, where do we fit in there? Should we just simply say, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to just take place. God's sovereign. That's his will. Let's go on. Let's look at point number four. Sovereignty and the humanity partnership. God is almighty God. None compares to him. God, however, this is what I was referring to a little while ago. God limits himself. You know, we say God can do everything, and yes. And then there's some kind of idiot that says, can God get, if God can do everything, can he build a, a boulder too big for him to pick up? Yeah, that, that's, I love the response. <laughs> Kylie said, what? There's some people that's the way they want to try to approach God. I'm going to put God in the corner, and I'm going to ask, can God, if God can do anything, can he build a boulder too big for him to pick up? You see, God limits himself by his word. God limits himself by his word. And then also God limits himself by our choice. Look at Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. The Lord says, I've given you options. 
Now, if he is completely sovereign in the fact that he, he's going to push us wherever he wants us to go, then there would be no choice. But he limits himself by his word when it comes to his sovereignty to show us his glory by our choice. Amen. Because when you consider the sovereignty of God, why pray? Why pray? Well, it's just going to happen anyway. It's just going to be. So why should I pray? God's going to be like that. I don't think I can change anything. If God is unchangeable, why pray? Amen. If God is not influenced by us, then why pray? If God can't be affected by what I say, why pray? If God knows everything and controls everything, why pray? Amen. I want to tell you today, when you come to understand the sovereignty of God, is not to cause us to not pray, but rather should cause us to pray. Cause us to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Because there is something that I believe that is more powerful than the sovereignty of God. And that is the purpose of God. God put his purpose in his word. God showed his way in his word. And he's going to make sure that he follows his word even at the expense of saying, I will set my sovereignty aside to make sure that I confirm my word because I put my word into play here. Let's look at Isaiah 14 and 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has a will. And he said that purpose is so important, it's going to come to pass. If you go back to the original beginning of men, and we've taught on this before, but let me go down it again. When the Lord said, let us make man, we can get into a whole theological discussion over what he's saying there. What does that mean, let us make man? But in Genesis 1 and 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Then notice this. And let them have dominion. God is establishing his law. He's establishing his word. And he's saying, let us, if, if it was going to be that God was only going to operate in his absolute sovereignty outside of any interference from man, then he would have said, and let us have dominion. But he did not say, let us have dominion. He said, let us make man and let them, speaking of male and female, have dominion. And you can read the rest of that to, to get an understanding of all that is being said there. But God created man and woman to operate in the physical realm of earth with a legal responsibility. Just like the earth from the very beginning had its, 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 its function. It was to function without earthquakes. It was to function without floods. It was to function without pain and suffering. Amen. Animals were to live in harmony. Man was to function without disease. Man was to function in that realm because the Lord said, I'm giving you in the physical 
physical world known as earth dominion hallelujah I'm giving you legal authority to have dominion in the earth God in his sovereignty decided to delegate authority and dominion in earth to mankind that is why God cannot do anything on earth when it comes to his change of sovereignty or change of anything without the cooperation of man man is is God's legal agent on earth. This is why we pray. This is why we pray. This is why we don't have to sit back and hurt in suffering and never say anything and just think we got to take it. But we can pray and say, God, you have the power to change this, but you also have the power to get me through this. Somebody say Glory. That's glory. God wants to show his glory. That's his purpose. Hallelujah. He promised that he would answer. And like Job, we may not understand the answer. We may not even like the answer. But he said, if you'll pray, I've given you that power in the earth to release legal movement of God. No one has ever got healed that I know of ever in scripture or by experience without somebody praying for them. No one has ever had a financial blessing in their life until they first prayed. What are, they, what are you saying? I'm saying God has given to man the legal right to say, God, I give you access to do your purpose right here in my, my world. I give... <coughs> Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3. You liked it a while ago and you shouted... Hallelujah. Uh, 3 and 18. I'm going to pick up the reading just a little bit before that powerful verse 20. But it says, May be able to comprehend that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And a lot of times we want to stop there. But look at the next phrase. According, according to the the power that worketh in us. When it comes to suffering, God has given to us a provision and a plan. I want you to partner with my sovereignty. I want you to partner with my purpose. I want you to part. That's what prayer is. It is me in my suffering and in my pain partnering with God to either get me out of it or get me through it until the glory shows up. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear me today. You need to hold on to God and keep praying. The glory's just right around the corner. The glory's just right around the corner. Can I tell you, we get to pray and we get to ask God to move and to help us. We don't define the glory. He does. He does. Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 26, with men, this is impossible. But with God, with God, all things are possible. You don't have to let the enemy run over you when it comes to suffering. Pray. Pray take a legal access and say, God, you've given to us the legal right to open up heaven so that you come 
and you do your purpose. What's your purpose in this? I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. Lord, what's your purpose? What are you trying to work in this? What are you trying to do? Again, there are some sufferings. It's because it's the earth we live in. There are some things that cold you're dealing with may not be attacked from the enemy. It just might be that you were shaking hands with somebody that had a cold. Now, that wasn't supposed to be that way. That's not what the Lord designed it. So we're all groaning and travailing. Some stuff is just groaning and travail. It is. It happens. This, these bodies are frail. These bodies have to deal with this. But still in that, God said glory. 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 Hmm. You might be suffering today because of, of some kind of uh, injustice done wrong. And bless your heart, if you're suffering because somebody said something bad about you on Facebook, why don't you just get off? Just get off. Yeah, just get off, you know. Would you stand with me, please? I have stood in hospital rooms, and I've looked at people, and I had nothing to give them. Whatever the doctor said was devastating. Whatever happened was devastating. But I can tell you this. I have said more than once, if you hold on, God's going to get glory out of this. You'll see the glory of the Lord. I have it on good authority that I'm speaking truth. I said I have it. On, it's not because I got some kind of prophetic utterance or I feel like that there's been a word from God that comes from out of glory. No, I got a word from the Lord that comes from his pages. If you hold on, keep praying, you're going to see his glory. I'm going to see his glory. I don't know how. I don't know when. Amen. But I do know it will happen. Don't give up just a few days shy of the glory of the Lord being revealed. Don't quit because you're in suffering. Amen. Hold on to God's unchanging hand and watch him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and love him in this place. Would you love the Lord in this place? Would you give him praise in this place? Hallelujah. Lord, I want to partner with you in prayer. God, to see the world, Lord. Lord Jesus, come and be what you want it to be. See, Lord Jesus, what you want. Lord, you said when it comes to kings and when it comes to officials, oh God, we're to pray first. We ought to pray for our officials. We ought to pray, God, your will be done. Your purpose in America. Your purpose, Lord, in the election. Your purpose, oh God, in our local government. Your purpose, Lord, in our, our state and national governments. Oh, Lord, will you have your way? Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Hey,